This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Executive Job Search Secrets Podcast. I'm Norbert Joost. This is Chris Kirkpatrick. Hey, everybody. Today, we are going to talk to you about the art of the interview. We all know most executive-level positions are not posted or advertised. So the big question is this. If those 100K-plus jobs are not posted or advertised, how do you go about your job search in a way so you can find the right companies, connect with the right people, and land your next ideal opportunity as quickly as possible and without compromise? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Chris Kirkpatrick, and welcome to Executive Job Search Secrets. Okay, so good stuff. Fun stuff. We got good stuff today. This is very, very, uh, I don't want to say riveting information, but this is extremely uh, important, uh, extremely... um, uh, I think it's it's vital. I think it's it's something everybody, uh, I think it's one of the most misunderstood elements of your job search because I think, uh, Norbert's probably going to touch on this as he gets started here, but I think it's one of those things that most people think they're better at interviewing than they really are. And um, Norbert's gonna give start off, I, I think, by talking about some things that uh, you need to make sure you don't fall into. Right, and, and, right. And, and some tips and tricks and, and ways to kind of avoid uh, getting trapped and blowing opportunity. Because Absolutely. you get one swing at this thing. And yeah, so, and to your point, I think it's the most underappreciated thing in an interview process that people have a tendency to think that their resume is what's selling them Mm -hmm. and that their past, their career accomplishments and all that stuff Mm -hmm. is going to speak for themselves. But the reality of it is that's not true. And so, you know, the first point that I like to make with the interview process is it takes practice. It's not, I don't care how good you are. I don't care if, if you are the number one salesperson in your company and you have been President's Club consecutively for 10 years. You are not, you know, you say it all the time. Just because you're good at what you do doesn't make you good at interviewing to get a job doing what you do. Amen. So when I say practice, I'm talking about you want to go through and you want to internalize your your resume. You want to internalize the information. And just because you have lived it, a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that I'm going to go for an interview. I already know this. I lived it. But then all of a sudden you get asked a question on how you know your background is relevant to this position that's open. Mm-hmm. And you have a difficult time verbalizing it. And so that's where I talk about it means take it, you know, take your time and practice over and over and over again and get it so it's fluent, get it so that you can um, speak to it. And just because it's on paper, again, you need to be able to convey it mm. to the interviewer in a way that they can uh, understand it yeah. and appreciate what has actually gotten you those awards, achievements, success, et cetera? Thousand percent. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is um, you have to realize nobody hires an interview, right? Like your interview, uh, your resume, did I say nobody hires an interview? <laughs> Everybody hires an interview. Nobody hires a resume. Um, and one of the biggest things, uh, mistakes I think that uh, job seeking individuals make is they think that 
their resume is going to be enough to differentiate themselves. Like the reality is your resume is what will get you in the door. Like don't, don't let me uh, sound like I'm, I'm saying resumes are, are not important because they absolutely are. Absolutely. That's why we designate an entire that, section of our course to the importance absolutely. of personal branding and resumes. thousand percent. And it's just a tool, right? It's just a tool to get in the door. It's like anything else. Trust me, a hammer is a tool. A saw is a tool. A drill is a tool. You don't want me using those tools. I'm not good with them. You know, like I have contractors and all those people that do that stuff. A resume is a tool. You need to make sure that you utilize the tool appropriately. And it's it, it, your ability to, to get a job is going to be dependent on your ability to knock it out of the park in the interview. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken with that say, man, I have gotten to the, the final stages of the interview process so many times, yet I always come in second, third, fourth place, whatever it is. And when I hear that, I instantaneously know this person probably needs no help with a resume and they need all the help in the world with the coaching behind how to interview, how to prepare for the interview, how to navigate the interview, how to follow up from the interview, like that whole process, because that's obviously where the break in their, uh, in, in their process is and the break in their successes because they're getting the interviews and that their resume is doing its job, right? right? right. But, then it's, but if that person is saying, hey, listen, um, I can't even get an interview, now we probably got to look at the resume, right? right. Like, so it's, it's, it, it just is what it is. So I know you have some kind of, uh, I don't know, tips. Truisms. Truisms <laughs> that, that go along with um, making sure that you um, have a more effective interview. Right. So the first thing I start with is, you know, a lot of people don't analyze the questions that are being asked of them yeah. by an interview. Mm -hmm. They just kind of assume that those questions are being asked randomly, yeah. haphazardly, whatever. You need to think about every question that's being asked of you is being asked by design. Mm -hmm. This is a, a manager has a reason for every question that they ask. And I think a lot of people have a tendency to answer questions off the cuff mm -hmm. without giving it a, a great deal of thought. And you know, the other thing I would tell you is people have a tendency to tell the truth, which I would always encourage sure. that you tell the truth, mm -hmm. but there's a difference. I tell candidates, you know, all the time, there's a difference between telling the truth and going to confession for sure. And what I mean by that is, and I'll give you an example. I had a candidate one time mm -hmm. and they were in a position and this particular manager wanted to know if somebody is calling on this particular hospital in Burlington. Okay. And so I called up, I talked to this candidate. I said, are you currently calling on Burlington? And they said, I am. And I said, are you calling on this particular cardiologist? And they said, I do. And then I said, fantastic. And then they followed it up by saying, but we don't have a contract at this account. And so I don't go there that often. We haven't gotten that much business from that account. That's yeah. where, that's the difference between telling the truth and going to confession. Right. And I know you actually had a, a term for that in your previous yeah, career. Yeah, I mean, we, we call it benign embellishment, right? Because I'm a big believer. You, you have to be able to, everything on your resume has to be truthful, has to be authentic, it has to be, you know, you have to be able to back it up because if it goes on your resume, there's a really high likelihood, if it's significant especially, that it's going, you're gonna to have to explain it on some level, in some way, at some point in time. And so, 
Um, we call it benign embellishment simply because it's like it's exactly what he, what Norbert just said for an example. I, I, you can say that yes, I call on that person. That 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 um, was it a cardiologist? Is that what he said? It was correct. cardiologist probably would know who that salesperson is because correct. they've called on. There would be name recognition. There would like there is. I don't want to say a relationship, but there's there's a uh, like a professional. Uh, awareness, right, of each other. Sure. And so that is beneficial, at, always. And so to be able to say, yes, I have that, I have called on that, that is advantageous. To continue down that, I would consider benign embellishment because now you're just not letting all the information out there because they're not asking. Now, right. if they ask you straight up, what are the results? That's where it gets a little hairy, but don't proactively give them ammo against you. Right. It just makes no sense. Well, and then there's the flip side of benign embellishment where sometimes you might have to benign, <laughs> give some benign embellishment to actually get yep. in the door yep. or to advance the interview process. And here's mm -hmm. an example of that. You know, you might have a bag full of 10 products mm -hmm. and you may not sell this one particular product all that much. It might be 2% of your business, let's yeah. say. Mm -hmm. and they ask you, hey, do you call on vascular surgeons, for mm -hmm. example? And you're like, that, well, I have this one product in my bag that's really 2% of my bag. But well, I do. That's where benign embellishment, that's where you may need to embellish. You're not lying, yeah. you're telling the truth. Yeah. It is in my bag, mm -hmm. I do sell it to vascular mm -hmm. surgeons. It's just not your main focus. But you don't need to go to confession and say, hey, it's only 2% of my business. For sure, yep, no, I agree 100%. It's just a matter of, like that's where it just comes down to really understanding what is the role that you're interviewing for, understanding what their needs are and how do you fill those needs with your relationships, with your skill sets, with your expertises, you know, with, with your industry and product knowledge and all these different things, right? So right. It, that, that's focus on the positives. Any, anything that um, is going to be potentially interpreted as a negative uh, to you landing the job, I would never, never volunteer that information proactively. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, I mean, the one thing you want to start every interview with is you need mm -hmm. to understand the goal of any one particular step mm -hmm. in the process is to get to the next step. Yep. Period. Period. No more. You're not going into a first interview or a phone screen to get the job. Yep. You're going into a phone screen to get to the face-to-face. -to -face. Mm -hmm. You're going from the first face-to-face -to, -face to get to the second, which might be that person's manager. Yep. And then you're going from that manager to the final interview. Mm -hmm. So you need to keep that in mind because people have a tendency to over talk themselves or you know, where you've got the next step in the process, mm -hmm. they've agreed to move you on in the process, but you continue to feel the need to talk, mm -hmm. feel the need to continue to sell yourself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can work against you where you actually sell yourself completely out of the process. Don't oversell. And there's that old saying, don't, uh, don't keep selling beyond the sale, right? Like, right. Once, you know, like you have to understand, but that all comes from awareness, right? And so um, I think, you know, authenticity, is really important, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and 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 like I don't know if this is on your list. I think it is, but I don't, and I don't want to jump ahead. But it's just I'm thinking about it right now. And you need to make sure that everything you do is a thousand percent 
authentic in, in this interview. And the only way you are able to be in that space is if you're prepared. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I'm a big believer that the interview is one during preparation. Um, you know, I write about it in my book a lot. You know, I call it the executive preparation for interview circle, right? And so it's actually here on page 204 of the book. And so it starts off like, and I'm not going to go into it. There, I have other videos, so I'll tell you what, I'm not going to go into it. You can watch some of our other videos on it. But at the end of the day, the whole purpose to it is for to be fully present and authentic with a company. You have to go in there, uh, and, and this is another phrase that I'm a big believer in, is that the person who's asking the questions is the one who's in control of the interview, right? And so if, or in control of any conversation for that Correct. matter. So if you are in an interview, the biggest mistake I believe that people make is they just kind of sit back and they just try to answer questions, right? If you are trying to land a significant position with any company, or if you're looking to differentiate yourself from anybody, you need to make sure you go in with a consultative hat on and, and you're, you're asking critically thought out questions. Right. The only way to do that is to prepare effectively. That's why I say the interview is one in preparation because if you can prepare effectively and you understand the face of the company, the inner workings of the company, the direction of the company, you know, the challenges, the problems, are they having a growth issue? Are they, are they needing to turn things around? Are they needing to cut costs? Are they needing to become more efficient? Are they, like, are they looking to expand into, into other regions and, and grow territories? And like, what, what is the need and what is your skill set and how can you help bridge that and fill the hole that they have, right? And it, the only way you can do that is by asking great questions. The only way you can ask great questions is if you prepare properly. And that's right. why we created the whole executive preparation for interview circle. And I have a whole chapter in the book completely dedicated to understanding how to prepare for the interview. So that's, I and, think, and important. On your point about uh, preparation mm -hmm. and being authentic, mm -hmm. you know, there's always gonna be situations where you're unprepared for, right? Yeah, amen. And so part of the interview process is being quick on your feet and being able to uh, think yeah. quickly, come up with a, uh, an answer to something mm -hmm. that you may not yeah. be prepared for. And you've stuff. created an entire system, yeah. uh, an acronym called SOAR, yeah. uh, in that situation. Yeah, no, so, it happens. yeah, and I'm a big, I'm a huge believer and, and actually passionate about this in every way. Yeah, we wanna be prepared for everything, but at the end of the day, to remain authentic and to come off as authentic, because let's face it, we've all met that person who, has the best intentions and they're kind of authentic, but they come off as awkward because they're not prepared. And, and I think you need to make right. sure you don't fall into that trap as well. So what we, what we say is you, you follow the SOAR methodology, which is, um, so the SOAR is an acronym for situations, the situation, obstacles or opportunities, action, and then result. You know, so like anytime anybody asks you something, a question in an interview, especially a behavioral question or an action related question, um, you can literally go through that framework and say, well, you know what, here was a situation. Uh, let me, let, even if you don't have something prepared, take five to 10 seconds and think about it. You know, even though it's right. gonna feel like the longest five to 10 seconds of your life, think about it for a second, you know right. what I mean? And, and then say, okay, here was a situation. Here was the obstacle or opportunity that we faced depending on the nature of the question. Here's the action that we took and here's the result that came out of it. And so that relates to what we call and equates to what we call executive speak because you're not, they don't wanna know your whole story. They don't wanna know your life. They don't like, they wanna know how did that situation impact you and why is it meaningful to them and, and the circumstance, um, you know, how it would apply to the job and, and, and how you would act as a leader or a salesperson or, or, or in the role that you're gonna be filling, right? And so 
be very concise, be to the point, have what we call executive speak and, and, and just be on target, be relevant to the question, you know, just stay focused because right. when you start bouncing all over the place with those questions, um, and, and, and having a full like chapter dissertation on, on that one question, A, it eats into your interview time and it's, it maybe spends too much time focusing on areas that really aren't that important in the grand scheme of things. Right. So when you waste that time, um, it makes you look not as prepared, not as professional. And, and also, uh, if from a leadership perspective, having that framework just makes you look just a step above everybody else. Right. And so that kind of ties in multiple things that we've just covered. 100%. Number one, practice. Yeah. But yeah. number two, on the be authentic and, and be prepared, mm -hmm. one of the things that I always recommended to any candidate is there's going to be situational questions that you're asked. So come up with a, and like you're always going to be asked, you know, tell me about a time where. And so come up with a, an account. Mm -hmm. And so this comes back to the, uh, the embellishment part, the telling the truth without going to confession. Yeah. So you, this is true. You really do have an account, but come up with that account. So when you're asked that question, question that you're not prepared for, mm -hmm. then you can say, you know what? There was this one account that was always a problem for me or flip it around. There was this one account that was always one of my best customers, but this situation happened. So that comes back to practice. Yeah. That comes back to maybe a little bit of embellishment, mm -hmm. telling the truth without going to confession, mm -hmm. but also not lying, right? And then the other thing is then with those situations, you can stay with that sore. And the other last thing I would say on that is, you know, you talked about maybe going on too long, being mm -hmm. concise. Mm -hmm. Typically, you know, there's a, there's a science to this. Mm -hmm. If you're embellishing too long and going on too long, typically you're probably lying, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. so they will tell if you are not concise to the point with your answer and confident with your answer, yep. they're probably going to be suspicious <laughs> of the response. Absolutely. I mean, it is what it is. Like you, you, you need to be real. And uh, if you're not like, if you're, it, it just, it comes off very, very clearly. You're either going to be uh, questioned as to, you know, your genuineness behind it. Um, if you're telling the truth, if you're being a little bit deceptive, uh, and, and remember what, when I say benign embellishment, I'm not talking about lie. I want to be really clear with that. I'm, we're, and we're not talking right. about lying. Absolutely. We're talking about omission, you know, like that's, that's it. Like Correct. just omit the things that aren't relevant. Give the information that makes you look like a rock star and just omit the stuff that isn't in alignment with, with the, the message you're trying to communicate. If they ask you to elaborate and you have to let that stuff come out, well then so be it, you have right. to. Um, you know, cause I'm never gonna tell anybody to lie because that's the most certain way to shoot yourself in the foot and lose opportunity. Um, but once again, just don't provide it. Well, and that goes, uh, it ties into the other parts of the interview that we mm -hmm. talk about is, you know, you wanna build rapport. Mm -hmm. And there are multiple ways of building rapport yep. and it comes back to preparation and practice. You mm -hmm. wanna research who you're interviewing with, what their background is, mm -hmm. so that you can build rapport. And that comes back to being authentic. Yep. If, you know, this person has this in their background, you don't wanna lie and yep. say, oh my gosh, I love football. Really, <laughs> who's your favorite team? Uh, uh, the yeah. Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. Uh, that's not a football team, right? So you want to be authentic, you want to prepare and do your background, but you also wanna be transparent mm -hmm. with these people. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to, not get caught um, with your pants down. Well, um, 
Yeah, no, so what I would say to that, and this is kind of how I always explain it to people, um, and this has nothing to do with the technicals of anything. It just goes to uh, kind of rehashing the authenticity element of it. But remember this, people are not hiring a resume. That's the whole purpose of this process, right? right. There, there is a, a huge element to this that we hire people that we know, like, and trust. So this interview process, a big part of this, one of the first things, whether they're intentionally thinking this or not, a lot of times they're thinking, okay, this person has to report to me or I have to work with this person every single day. And is this a person that I can see myself enjoying working with on a day in, day out basis? Absolutely. First and foremost. So like, I'm not saying go in there and slap backs and like, you know, be Johnny Blowhard, you know, but I am, <laughs> but I am saying, you know, you want to make sure that you understand they don't, John Maxwell says it, I write it in my book multiple places I think, is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Once they find out how much you care, you better know something, right? And so with that said, people don't care how much you know and how good you are at your job until they like you, until they know they can like you. Right. Once they know they like you, then they go, wow, I hope this guy is as good as we hope he is, right? right? That's where you wanna get the interview because once they're there, once they go, wow, I like this guy or I like this woman, like now it becomes a situation like they're pulling for you. Right. You know, they're hoping you're as good as your resume says. Like they wanna be Absolutely. your advocate. And that is, I think, probably the area that most people just can't wrap their head around right. when it comes to an interview. And I have a phenomenal example of that. One awesome. of my old managers used to ask the question, mm -hmm. what do you like to do in your free time? Mm -hmm. And people just thought, oh, this is a building rapport. Like, yeah. you know, he wants to yuck it up with me. And, and so, you know, they would just answer these unprepared, oh, unthought geez. out yeah. responses. Mm -hmm. And so the, the reality of it is, it was a well thought out question mm -hmm. because I was in spine sales. And so there was a lot of free time. You only have a handful of doctors that you call on. So if you can't get in front of that doctor, if you're not in surgery with that doctor, I had a lot of free time with my manager. Mm -hmm. So when he would ask the question, what do you like to do in your free time? He wasn't just looking to yuck it up with me and build rapport. He wanted to know, to your point, do I like this person? Mm. Does this person have similar interests to me? He was a fisherman, he loved to hunt. So yeah. if we have downtime, if a doctor surgery gets over or whatever, and at one o'clock in the afternoon, he, he wants to know, can we go out and maybe go pheasant hunting at one o'clock in mm -hmm. the afternoon and spend totally. time? And am I going to enjoy the time with this person? Yep. And Amen. a phenomenal, funny example of that was he asked a person, what do you like to do in your free time? And this person was, um, uh, let's just say not, fully put together okay. um, and uh, they said, their response was, I like to, I watch, like to watch NBA basketball. So he said in his brain, he visualized he and this candidate sitting on the couch, like eating popcorn together. They're in their scrubby <laughs> sweats or something. Nice. And he was like, ah, you know, yeah. it didn't move forward with that candidate. Sure. So that goes back to practice preparation that every mm -hmm. question is asked of you is by design. Yeah. You may not think it's by design, but it's by design. If, it's, if, if a question is asked of you in the interview, it matters to the person who asked the question. It's your job to figure out why they asked it right. and make sure you answer it in a relevant way. Not relevant to you, 
it's your job to be a detective and figure out the relevancy to them and try to make it, you know, as congruent of an answer as possible. Right. And the only way to do that is to follow the epic system and to prepare properly and like use that's the SOAR method. And, 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 and use the SOAR method and just like you plug those two things together. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's one of the reasons that anytime somebody calls me and they're like, I have an interview, I need to prepare. And I go, okay, we can help you prepare. That's no problem. When's the interview? Tomorrow. <laughs> You're screwed. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like I always tell people. That's not the definition <laughs> of preparation. Yeah, exactly. You are not like, if somebody calls you to say, hey, I would love you to come in for an interview. We're so excited to interview uh, with you as well. Blah, 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 blah. I want you to come in tomorrow or two days from now. It is really, really hard for a lot of people to say, uh, you know, to, to, to not accept that interview and just jump up and down because it's the opportunity. Chances are if you've been seeking and not getting a lot of activity, getting a lot of interviews, you're just desperate and the one thing you can't sell is desperation. And so I really want to encourage you to realize like as soon as they ask you to come in, you need to take a step back and say, I would love to come in. I'm excited to come in, but because I'm so excited about the opportunity, because I am really passionate about this, I want to make sure I'm prepared so I can bring the amount of value that I would like to bring to the interview as well. And so in order for me to do my job effectively and to prepare for this, to make sure that I'm the right fit for you and all this, like whatever, I, I need to spend some time to prepare. So how about, and then propose a time, three, four, five days out, but never earlier than three days. You, and if it's three days, you better be dedicated to just hammering out the preparation right. and just like really cramming in those three days and do nothing but that. One last topic that I wanna cover yeah. in the preparation for the interview and the art of the interview is addressing the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is you may have a gap on your resume. Mm. You maybe were fired. You may be, if you're at a sales position, let's say, for example, because that's my background. Let's say you were at 90% of quota two years in a row and you don't bring that up mm. in the interview. That's the elephant in the room. Sure. And what I mean by that is you might come out of that interview mm -hmm. and you might feel like I dodged a bullet. We didn't address that gap in my resume. They're we didn't it. address that yeah. 80% to quota performance. Yeah. We didn't address the fact that I was fired. We didn't address the fact that I quit. Mm -hmm. Trust me, you're not getting off. Remember how Chris talked about in the beginning about all those people that are always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Mm -hmm. They get to the final interview multiple times, but they come in second, third, fourth place. Mm -hmm. There's potentially multiple things that that could be. It could be, you know, that your answers weren't good enough. Your, your competition was better than you. Those things are out of your control yep. or actually the answer thing isn't, but if your sure. competition beats you, you're beat, yep, right? Totally. It is what it is, yep. but you control what you can control. And mm -hmm. one of those things is addressing those gaps, those, yeah. those Ill elephants in the room mm -hmm. because you are being judged on it, whether you think it or not. So you are better off being transparent, mm -hmm. being authentic and addressing it up front and talking about it. And I guarantee you, they may not like your answer, sure. but they'll appreciate your honesty. Mm -hmm. And at least if you don't move forward in the process, mm -hmm. you'll have an understanding of why. 
Well, and you're going to increase the chances that you do get a yes, because obviously going into an interview, there's no guarantee you're going to get a yes and get the job regardless, right? So by, by going down and trying to avoid these questions, as he said, you're not going to, you're not going to just skate by and, and not have to answer these tough questions right. if you expect to get the job, because at some point in time, you're going to have to address those things, right? Because any company that's doing their due diligence is going to address that at some point in time. Even if it's not the first interview, they're, they're going to come back to you. If you're fortunate enough to get through, even after not addressing it, they're going to, it's going to come up in the second one. Right. So just get out of the way, just do it, you know? And, and here's what I would say to that. And this, I, I love these one-liners and, and this is, this is maybe one of my favorite ones is that a confused mind always says no. And your job, your job as the person being interviewed is to use the art of storytelling, story selling, right? And, and being able to take this fact, this line item on your resume that maybe is confusing to them, right? And that maybe goes, wow, you know what? Norbert, he was really awesome and we really liked him. So that that just that 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 but thing right there on that resume that doesn't six months that doesn't make months. sense and why wasn't that brought up and like now as much as they like Norbert they're confused and a confused mind always says no and now if you're the only person interviewing which is hardly ever the case you know like not for good jobs right anymore. not for a good job exactly like then obviously you can get fortunate or get lucky and, and get a second chance and maybe they'll follow up with you proactively but most of the time that's not going to be the case and you're going to be competing against potentially dozens of other people in the first round stage. And if that's the case, they're, you're just, I'm sorry, but you're, you're just gonna get slid over into the no column and there's all these other people that are, that are gonna take the next step. Right, so I would get calls all the time from candidates who thought the interview went well, mm -hmm. they thought they were moving along in the process, yep. thought they were going to get the job and didn't end up getting it and never got an explanation as to why that didn't happen. So we're here to help you make those little tweaks and work out the kinks mm -hmm. so that instead of helping you, you know, make it to the final stage of the mm -hmm. interview process, actually help you get the job. Get the offer. Yep. And that, and that's everything. So anyway, I, you know, th this was a pretty elaborate in-depth video about all of this stuff. Now, of course it goes much, much deeper. But on a surface level, the purpose of this was we wanted to provide kind of a surface level level view of the elements that I think people just kind of have blind spots in when it comes to the job interview process, how to prepare, how to go through it, like, right. and just a lot of the areas that we just get feedback from uh, from candidates who think they're doing better in areas than they truly are, or they think they're and more gifted. feel that frustration because they don't understand why. Exactly. And so hopefully this maybe illuminates some areas for you. If you have any questions about anything, you can always email support at careernextagency.com. Norbert or myself will respond to you. Um, and, and, and we'd be happy to get on the phone with you to have a consultation to figure out what's going on with your search. You know, like some people uh, need resume help. Some people need coaching. Some people uh, need help with LinkedIn. Some people, uh, you know, just, just want a second set of eyes, you know, with somebody who's an expert who they can trust. Because like we said earlier, just because you're amazing at doing what you do doesn't make you amazing at finding a job at what you do. And quite frankly, you shouldn't be amazing at finding a job at what you do. If you are, it means you're doing it too often. And we need to have a conversation about that. So True. anyway, uh, also, this is the playbook for you to be able to find your job. I am a thousand percent believer this is the best, um, most well-kept secret, even though, it sh you know, it's not a secret, but like, it, if you don't know about it, you need to know about it. It will be the playbook for everything you need to do to be able to find your job faster, period. I, I, I always tell people, 
It will help you find your job up to 400% faster. If you just follow the advice in that book, I promise you get the book, you will love it. It will make a huge impact in everything you're doing day in, day out during your job search. And, uh, and that's that. So feel free, go to careernextagency.com if you have any questions about anything. But until next time, go out there, have a blessed, inspirational day. I hope you go out and crush it. And we'll talk to you on the next video. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you were able to find some value in this episode. And I'm so excited to announce that I just launched my first book, Executive Job Search Secrets. You can get your copy for $19.99 going over to Amazon.com right now. Or because of everything that's happening in the world right now with COVID, all the uncertainty, the high unemployment rates, I've actually purchased a thousand copies of this book and I'm going to send a copy to the first 1,000 people that want to take advantage of this free offer. I'm on a mission to help people get positive results in their job search and I know that the information in this book will make a positive impact in your life. So with that, I've ordered a thousand copies. I've paid for them. I want to send a free copy to everybody that wants to take advantage of this offer. All I ask of you is to cover the $8.95 for shipping and handling, and I will do the rest. I will get a copy right out to you in the mail as quickly as possible. All you have to do is go to executivejobsearchsecrets.com, enter your information, click the button, and I will send it right out to you. And I hope you have the best of luck with your search. Go out and crush it, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.